On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Ryan Stevens, who has gone all in on his catalyzing AT's business, which is now catalyzing coaching and consulting, focusing on not just athletic trainers, but creating awesome teams. And that's really what we highlight in this episode is kind of that transition over to that move of running his own coaching and consulting company. And really, then we tie into the importance of communication Uh, making an impact, gaining influence, and how that contributes to really creating an awesome team. So uh, really applaud Ryan for jumping in all all in on this. Uh, We talk about that's not something I think I could do, and I applaud anybody who goes entrepreneurial because that is a leap of faith and is really awesome. So a great episode uh, in terms of that if you think this could be useful for your team or if you're interested in that entrepreneurial side. Uh, Also, we have generated enough funds through Clinically Press to uh, be able to donate at least one, if not two, um, Mueller recovery tub, um, inflatable cold tubs. Check that out on our social media, uh, on our link tree for the application for one of those to be considered. We're hoping we can keep the funding rolling to get more of those and get those out to help prevent exertional heat illness in anybody that we can. But without further ado, please enjoy this episode. episode of athletic training chat we are on with ryan stevens who we just got to connect with in person for the first time uh at nata several weeks ago uh, by the time this uh, recording comes out uh, it was one of those we were trying to connect and then i walked into a talk i believe on soft skills and just decided to sit right behind him as we were texting so that was fun <laughs> uh, a, a good way to get introduced but um a lot of things changed for Ryan. We'll let him talk about that a little bit, but he is, if you followed him, been running the Catalyzing podcast for several years now, uh, but has fully jumped into coaching and consulting through that. And we're, we'll talk about that, but as part of that bigger conversations, you know, creating awesome teams is really the focus of what he does. And with that, we've got some topics that we're going to talk about that all tie into that. But before we kind of jump into the first one, I just wanted to turn it over to you, Ryan, just to share a little bit more about what you're doing, how that ties into you being an athletic trainer uh, and even beyond that. Awesome. Yeah. It was, it was like, uh, you know, when you're in college and you're, uh, I aming your roommate who's sitting right behind you, you and I were there texting you <laughs> and you're like, I'm right behind you. Like, oh, Hey, I hey, really didn't want to interrupt your conversation. So that was, no, that was fantastic. Um, yeah. After all these years of, you know, chatting over text, over social media and whatnot, it was really awesome to, to meet you in person. And I'm so For proud sure. of, of you and everything you're doing. Um, not just with the podcast, but also with firefighters and, and and switching gears in a new chapter of your life. It was great to meet your sister, Ashley, yep. as well. So it was a really, really awesome Indianapolis. But um, thanks for for taking some time to have me on here. Yeah, as you said, it ultimately it comes down to, you know, I want to help organizations create awesome teams and be a part of awesome teams. And 
Um, I've been doing the Catalyzing Podcast since 2019. Uh, before that, it was actually a blog called Sports Medicine for the Masses, which I got tired of writing. <laughs> so I adapted. I was like, I don't want to write anymore. I just want to have conversations. So um, that's what spawned the podcast. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of always my end my end game. I, I was looking like, hey, when I retire, I'll go and I'll use the Catalyzing brand. I'll go into consulting. I'll go into education and whatnot. And, you know, over the last 10 years of my career, I've been doing this as a part of my jobs with those four organizations I worked for. Um, and, you know, it's when it comes to my, my catalyzing coaching and consulting business that I'm doing right now that just launched last month in in uh, June, ultimately, like the my favorite thing of my roles over the last decade has always been developing our team, um, supporting our team members, internal growth, retention, creating an environment where people want to be a part of that. People are having fun when they're at work, um, engaging with those those uh, team members who haven't heard been listened to or haven't felt engaged in the past and just finding ways to to engage them at a new level and ultimately if you look at healthcare now there's there's more turnover than ever i think there's just looking at the athletic training profession there's people leaving the profession there's people changing gears because there's more ways for us to help that same thing is happening in nursing it's happening with pas it's happening in a lot of other aspects of healthcare too there's doctors that are leaving practice because they're just getting burned out compassion, fatigue, burnout, um, just the stress of the job. And my, my, my thought and my feeling just from my experience over the last 10 years is while there's aspects to that, that we can't control, there's also a lot of it that we can as leaders and as team members. And it's two directional. It's not just the leaders being good leaders and, and creating an environment. It also is the team members owning their part in making that environment great, making that team awesome. And it's the two of them working two directionally side by side to, to make it happen. And I'm, you know, I, uh, I just, I've had more and more people telling me, Hey, why don't you just dive into that full time? You're in your prime. You, you're, you're, you're in a good spot in your, your career. And, you know, it's what excites me. It's what you know gets my, my passion going is to, to work with people. So uh, I made the decision to, to go all in full time on this and, and help as many organizations as I can. My, my speaking and workshop series, I'll do anywhere nationwide, um, even internationally. That's more so just, you know, one off two, three type uh, engagements with a group virtually or in person. My team catalyst and my team development programs, that involves me coming on site side by side with those team members on a temporary basis. That's mid-Atlantic region. So DC up to Connecticut, I'm based in New Jersey. Um, so, you know, biggest area of influence, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York. Um, but that really is that next level of, I come in as a temporary teammate and I help ask the right questions so that those team members and those leaders can come up with their own plan to be successful and to have, you know, better retention, less turnover, increased engagement. The team feels um, more engaged so that they can perform at a higher level. And ultimately that just helps everybody feel better. It feels really good to be a part of a team like that. Like I've been blessed to, to be experienced uh, with, you know, during my time. First, when I started my own business uh, with OPA, the, the fitness business that I started 10 years ago and it failed, but we had a really great culture there. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I, I coordinated health, where we did a lot of things to, to flip that culture and, and make it more exciting and more engaging for the team members there and get some new, new blood in. And then 
with RWJ Barnabas Health and with JAG1 recently, like just working to take those healthcare teams to a new level. That's always been my passion and helping, you know, I feel successful when my team is successful. So it's, it's about them. And that's, I want to help more people experience that as well. Absolutely. Uh, One of the topics we were going to talk about, excuse me, that, uh, that I was really interested in just hearing your take on is gaining influence. Uh, Just thinking back through my own career and, you know, even now, like, you know, you gain influence not only over the people that are quote unquote underneath you, you know, report to you however you want, would like to phrase it in the world, but also, you know, with key stakeholders, you know, if you're in an athletic department with the AD or whoever else it might be through there, people are higher up at the university and then in more of the settings um, clinically, you know, with administrators and and potentially physicians or whoever however that hierarchy works so if you wouldn't mind just kind of talking about you know gaining influence and what that looks like mm-hmm. for just you know anybody I guess and I'll, I'll let you kind of frame it how is easiest for you yeah I think I think we've all seen and heard the complaints if we just talk specific to athletic training the complaints of Coaches don't listen to me. The athletic directors don't respect me. I never can get anything I want to order. Um, I'm always the last to know when schedule changes yep. are happening. Um, you know, the the I never got the doctor's note from the kid. You know, they went and saw him, and I was left out of the loop. You know, and that that stuff happens throughout the country in a variety of settings, but especially in the secondary school settings in in athletic training. And it's really easy to point the finger and say, they're not doing something. I should be getting this from them. Um, I need this from them. And, you know, when it comes to gaining influence, ultimately, there, I think there's like three key components to it. Number one is self-awareness. You need to be self-aware of your own presence, of the vibe you're putting out, of the perception that others have of you. Are you someone who is trusted? Are you someone who is you know, open and embracing that people feel comfortable working with you, that there's no barriers to communication between you and them? Um, I think we need to kind of do a self-check really and be honest with ourselves, drop our ego and think, you know, where have our successes been in the past with who we've had great relationships with and who are the people that we didn't have great relationships with? And what do we think are the reasons that we could do differently? Um, influence, I think, starts with us thinking about what can we do differently? <clears throat> How can we be more um, self-aware of, of what we're doing with those relationships? The second part of it is showing up in service. You know, it's ultimately, if you want to gain influence, you need to be able to be influenced. You need to be able to engage with those people that you want to work on another level. Because I, I truly think influence is about a two-directional relationship where both benefit. It's not just about I benefit because I can influence you. It's it's a two-directional where I can benefit from you. You can benefit from me. We have a relationship that can solve more problems together versus alone. And it's ultimately there's individual influence and then there's team influence. And when you have your individual influence, I think it is truly about serving others and helping others the best you can, which builds a better relationship with them. It builds trust and they know that you're going to be there for them. You're going to build relationship with your coaches, with your athletic director by, I'm not saying sacrifice everything and going above and beyond all the time, but truly showing that you care about what their needs are, 
listening to them, you know, the communication skills that are so crucial in, in healthcare, being a good listener, being a good active listener, um, being able to uh, reflect back to them what their challenges are. So there's a kind of a, a subconscious connectedness there. I think that's really crucial for influence is you have to own that between you and that other person, um, being a good listener, being a good communicator, um, showing up in service of them. And then when you're a team, if you want your team to have influence, then it's about what is the experience that others have working with you, almost your brand? Mm -hmm. um, are you on a shared vision and a shared mission as a team? And so it doesn't matter whether it's Ryan or Joel working with me, I'm going to get the same end result. So I have influence as a team um, versus, you know, pockets and silos of why this person has influence, but this person doesn't. Sure. And I think good team members will, and good leaders will recognize certain team members who have the ability to gain more influence and then certain team members who maybe struggle that more and leverage them to work together to help each other out, to lift that other team member who, who could benefit from being able to connect with people at a higher level, but also to give that, that mentor, that more engaging individual, the opportunity to be a leader and to help lift up others uh, or connect them with people that will allow them to serve at a higher level. So it's, Influence comes back, ultimately comes back to us being more self-aware. It's what can we control. It's not pointing fingers of what can they do for us. It's what we can do. How can we help others as individuals and connect on a deeper level with them, be a resource for them so that we're helping to solve their problems so they build trust with us. And then when part of the bigger picture with our team, working together as a team to solve greater problems along the, the mission mission or the vision that we have as a company. And it doesn't matter who within that team is involved. The end result is the same. That's where you gain that influence as a team. Yeah. So much of what you said resonated with a lot of different ideas. You know, you talked about looking at yourself first. You, I kind of come back and I just saw a post about this the other day, you know, the extreme ownership example of instead of, again, pointing the finger, you know, starting with yourself, which can be endlessly frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a really good place to start because then it, nothing else to make sure you have your, all your ducks in a row um, before you, you kind of start looking at everybody else, which I think is something that I learned, you know, if you're going to try and hold other people accountable, you better make sure that mm -hmm. you have as well. Uh, I know one for me, we ran into it a lot when I was working in the collegiate setting and it was a subtle change, but it made a huge difference. And it was talking with the administration, you know, weather happens, things change, all of that happens. We're, we all know that and generally it's adaptable. Um, but it was when we just changed their, asked them to change their mindset of, can you ask us and just include us in the conversation of when things are happening instead of just telling us this is what's going to happen. It just changes the whole dynamic because now you feel like you're part of it and doing that with staff and different things of asking instead of just dictating down what exactly is going to happen. You, you probably end up at the same result. Like ultimately we figured it out. We'd cover the game that got rescheduled, but we were able to at least have some input in there, uh, which I think it's just a game changer, you know, for people just to feel like they're engaged. And as a leader, I think that ultimately gains you more influence because you are pulling those people into that conversation, uh, which just helps them Absolutely. When, buy when, in a little bit more. 
when I've seen it firsthand, when you have taken the example of the dynamic between an athletic trainer, an AD and coach and schedules, it's easy to, you know, okay, people forget things. There probably is a time where you're left out of the loop, but if you're proactive and you are ahead of the game and you're building relationships with those coaches, with the athletic directors, so that they feel like you're on the same page as a team serving that athletic program that's like department but then you also plant the seed proactively of hey coach um i know you know i don't want want to make it difficult for you what is your preferred platform when you have a cancellation or schedule change how do you communicate that to your players to their parents to the athletic director oh well we have google classroom okay great can i get on that platform add me to your group so that you don't have to send an extra message i get it when they get it um or if, a, if an AD has a text thread, hey, can we make sure that I'm on that text thread? I want to make your job easier so that you don't have to remember to send it to me separately. That right. way, it's just passive, and I get that information as you go. Um, and also, it would be really helpful. I know the way that when we work together on your scheduling, I know you have a job to do. You have to schedule, get stuff in. Um, if something is changing within the same time frame, no big deal. I'm already going to be there. But if, if it's a matter of completely changing the time frame, it's a game on a Tuesday afternoon to a Saturday afternoon, might it be okay if before you make that final decision, we have a quick conversation about it? Because I want to make sure that I'm able to be there for you. And again, it's all about them. It's, you know, they don't want to be stuck at a, an event and their athletic trainer can't be there. But if you have the conversation proactively and then you do that a few times, it becomes natural for them. Versus if it's always reactionary after the fact, hey, you didn't let me know. You didn't let me know. Well, then walls go up and then defensiveness and then then they point fingers. And yeah, so you have to get ahead of it. Um, and and it, what allows you to get ahead of it is if you focus on the relationship and you focus on listening and being connected. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned communication. Obviously, that is a huge conversation. Huge- conversation had a pun uh huge topic but something that is important especially as we were just talking about it and trying to be that proactive what would you say are some of the core principles that you highlight when it comes to communication well again it comes back to knowing yourself first um what is your base communication style and being self-aware of that being self-aware of your own tone, your tempo, your voice, um, how you speak with others. Because you know, if you look at research about communication, if you study the dynamics of communication, the most effective communicators are not people who just communicate the same way all the time. They communicate in a means with what is most effective for the receiving party. So it could be your tone, your tempo, your dialect, your your the words you use, um, the style of which you deliver. The way I deliver a message to a doctor about an ankle sprain is completely different than the way I deliver a message to a mother of a seven of a seventh grader who has an ankle sprain. Sure. Um, the same message, but different words, different tone, different perspective. Um, but before you even get to delivering that message, I think the core component of listening of communication is listening listening to concerns understanding the other's perspective seek first to understand and then be understood is a mantra that i've tried to be as consistent as possible with throughout my career um after i read uh, seven habits of highly effective people stephen covey like that that just resonated with me and 
And it just makes a huge difference from a listening perspective and from a communication perspective. If you, if you're with someone in an engaging conversation, if they're feeling heard, it's more likely that they may and will ask for feedback from you if they're looking for feedback versus if you're just offering feedback one directional, they may or may not take it. They may or may not receive it. So it starts with your own self-awareness of your nonverbals. So your uh -huh. posture, um, being aware of the nonverbals of, of the other person, because 85% of what we communicate is nonverbally. It's our, it's just the way we, you know, our first impression when we walk into a room with someone, um, our smile versus not smiling, the posture that we present, if we are leaning in versus leaning back, if our hips are turned toward them versus turned away, if we're standing in conversation, bodies, you know, people pick that stuff up subconsciously. And so if, if you focus on really reading the room and reading their body language, and then you match and mirror that, you, you complement it, it's going to allow you to have a deeper conversation with them if you also at practice active listening skills sure. where you truly listen with the intent to understand, we're not listening with the intent to reply. Um, you may or may not have a chance to reply and share your feedback, but the key is, is you need to feel that like they need to feel like they've been listened to. And that's a big part of my coaching is when I'm working with, with, you know, the teams over the last decade um, and with clients and whatnot right now, when it comes to like the team catalyst and the team discovery program, it's not me coming in and say, you need to do this 10 list of 10, 10 things and you're going to be an awesome team. No, it's me coming in and listening to what's working well and, and what's the challenges are taking an inventory openly and honestly, and then asking the right questions so they can formulate their own answers, directions, uh, et cetera, with some guidance so that they can feel confident in their own choices. That's where, you know, that's where that relationship is going to go to the new level. Because then if, if I'm listening to them and I'm asking questions and I'm getting them to come up with their own answers, then that helps them solve their own problems. And I, I, I see the parallels with that and just general communication. And, you know, it's different if you're given a seminar, if you're given a talk, of course, you're then on stage to give a message. Um, you're sharing information. You're hopefully sharing something that people can take away key key points from and take action on, uh, or be inspired or motivated or just a story that resonates. But when you're in a two directional conversation with a team, with a person, it's more about the listening side of things, and then responding in a way that addresses their concerns or dives deeper into their concerns. So self awareness first and foremost. And then being aware of the nonverbals, you know, the energy between you, the, the posture, um, the mannerisms and kind of matching and mirroring those, and then being a good active listener. I think those are three really key areas of communication. I have different lectures and workshops that dive into each of those separately, kind of a deep dive, mm -hmm. um, but they're all aspects that I, I work on with my, with my clientele just to help them be more effective in that realm. Yeah, as you were saying all that, I had saw this quote, which I'm sure you've heard um, before too. You know, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has actually taken place, mm -hmm. uh, and just that you know, talking doesn't mean communicating. And I totally agree with you 100 percent on you know the active listening being so important in those. Then I can't remember. I've heard it as a range for like 
people to hear things and maybe actually listen to it or like process it they may have to hear that anywhere from i've heard as little as three and i've heard as many as like seven times before it actually hits them and i know you know just seeing things and people's frustrations and again i do have been there still in there everybody's still there like trying to keep that in mind is that saying it once or sending the one email doesn't necessarily mean that it was read as you know the thing you know um we are all probably fall victim to that of you know we missed the email or we didn't read it in as closely as we should have and while yes it's frustrating to have to repeat yourself to get there and you may seem like you're annoying people sometimes you have to repeat that to make sure that it is getting through especially if it's important you know going back to our conversation with co mm -hmm. about you know coaches and ad's and things like sometimes some follow-up is just what is needed so yeah absolutely that reminds me so um uh, in the near future uh, I'm going to have a gentleman named Tom Henschel on my podcast. He's an executive coach and he's a former actor and he tells stories on his podcast. It's called the look and sound of leadership. It's really an awesome podcast. Mm. Um, and one of the things that he was talking about through one of his stories was how, um, you know, we just have to, people are trying their best and we have to accept that. And, you know, you made the the comment about, I didn't see that email, like, that happens. So if, if, if something, if there's a breakdown, it could be that they just didn't get the message or that they just didn't receive the message in a way that we intended it to be. So that's really crucial to keep that in mind when it comes nowadays with verbal communication, phone, video, text, email, it's all different tones and it's all being aware of the way we communicate because when we don't have like eye contact with this and we can't see each other's language, you have to be very purposeful with your tone and style of communication with written stuff. Because if it's not done in a way that is communicating clearly and addressing a, you know, if you're working, let's say you're trying to problem solve over a text message, the person on the other side of that text is going to have their own preconceived assumptions of what you're saying, and they could be more defensive versus I didn't intend for it to come across that way. Right. That that was not my intention. I was trying to share information. And so we have to be even more hypervigilant to being aware to who we're speaking with on the other side of that message when it's in writing um, in a way that it that can be received well and it prompts more conversation. And also I think the last part of this, I think just knowing when to say time out to the text, we need to hop on a call. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Same you know, thing with email chain. Before yeah. we keep going back and forth, um, let's take a time out. We're both not on the same page here. Let's have a verbal conversation. Or can I stop by your office? That way you can go and then you can truly engage and listen um, on a deeper level. I think that's a big part of it too. You know, Knowing that people are probably trying their best, they're communicating the best way they know how. Not everybody's going to be self-aware of their own communication styles, but we, can, we can't own that. We can't make them be more self-aware. All we can do is make ourselves be more self-aware for sure own it listen and and be accepting to that totally agree yeah i try and always remember you can't read tone through text mm -hmm. but we still do it whether we <laughs> try mm -hmm. to exactly. or not unfortunately yeah. 
Yeah. Um, kind of the last topic that we really had that we were going to cover, and you referenced it earlier uh, when talking about teams and having influence as a team, is delivering a shared vision. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's easy to come up with a slogan or a, you know a tagline or whatever it may be. You know, this is our mission statement or whatnot. But getting people on the team to buy into that, to feel like they're owning part of it, to really embrace it and get behind it. And again, feeling like they have ownership instead of something coming down on them saying like, Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do. How do you, you set up delivering that shared vision and again, trying to incorporate everybody into creating that. So there is that ownership and buy-in. That's a great question, Joel. When you're a member of a team, no matter if it's a team size of four or 40, ultimately you want to you want to be respected. You want your ideas to be respected. You want to be heard. Um, hopefully you want to be involved. If you don't want to be involved, well, there's some other challenges going on. Let's try and figure those out. You know, disengagement um, or personal life things are just getting in the way. But when it comes to a team, delivering a shared vision. It's a combination of being responsibly independent and being effectively interdependent. So being responsibly independent goes back to the things we've already talked about today, owning your own space, owning your own spark. What can you contribute? What is my role in this team? What can I control? How do I communicate? How responsible and accountable am I for my responsibilities? If everyone is doing that effectively, and then you combine that with building bridges as a leader and as team members for people to work together, either interdisciplinary or you know within the same discipline, working together to deliver the services that your company provides or whatever, and you do that effectively, that interdependence, it, it needs in order for there to be a shared vision, it needs to be a combination of that responsible independence and that effective interdependence and that that really comes down to shared involvement people need to feel like they are making a difference with what they do um you know prime example if you have let's say you have a brand that has had some trouble getting off the ground or a team that has had some rockiness in the past difficult leadership or a lot of turnover maybe new leaders where it's not just a consistent, hey, this is a successful um, program. It's been done this way. Um, We're always open to adapting, but we already have a really well-established reputation. Then, you know, people come in and you you bring people onto that bus who fit well with that, who can also still challenge it, but also fit well of the the fine, finely tuned, well-oiled machine. But if you have a situation where things are not working out well, there's a new leadership that comes in, then in order for everybody to buy in, they all need to feel as if they're contributing toward that mission and they're on the same page with that vision and mission. And that just is a lot of question asking. It's a lot of surveying. It's a lot of conversations of, you know, what's been successful in the past? What hasn't? What have you found to be effective? what hasn't been effective on our team and are we delivering service as athletic trainers let's say you got a team of athletic trainers are we delivering it at a level that we feel is most effective to help the people we care for 
or are there roadblocks to that? And if there's roadblocks, well, then what is everybody's idea for overcoming those roadblocks? That shared involvement is so crucial, whether it be small group work, um, collaborating on updating your vision and your mission. There's a company I read about, I can't recall the company, but um, they wanted to rebrand and they, they, they were having challenges with their whole team getting involved in the same mission. So what they did was they had 30 or so team members, they gave them a template and those 30 team members wrote their own vision statement and mission statement using the prompts. Mm -hmm. And then what they did is they took all of them and they looked for common themes sure. and they combined it into one mission that was encompassing kind of all of those areas. And if there were outliers, of course, they would have a conversation with that person. What did you right, mean by this? Right. But everybody, they build it together. And I think you can have a feeling of building it together with both established brands as well as non-established brands. And when I say brand, I mean just like the presence of your team, the the expectations. You don't have you could be a team of athletic department members, AD coaches, athletic trainers. You still have a brand. Mm -hmm. You have an experience that those student athletes feel when they're working, they're part of that team or the, the team members feel when they're part of that. So when you have shared experiences, when you have shared expectations, when there's shared involvement, what happens is, is then everybody comes together on that same mission because they feel like they are a part of it. They feel like they're contributing versus being pulled along for the ride. Sure. Of course, you're going to have situations where people just disengage and they break away. Who knows what's going on in their life? I think a good leader will engage with that person and try to understand what's going on. Is this something within us or is this something beyond us? How can we support you? Because we want you to be happy and fulfilled in your career, but we also have a job to do and a mission to do as a company, as a team. Yep. Um, versus just ignoring them and let them do what they want to do, you know, in a silo, fully independent. Well, then that creates dissension. Hey, well, you're letting that person do that, but I have this standard, but they have this other standard. Yep. So if the standards aren't the same, if there's not a framework, then it creates difficulties between people. There's jealousy or there might be resentment um, for what resources one team member gets versus what another team member gets. That's the fun aspect of leadership. And that's also why it's so crucial to be a good listener to ask the right questions, to be aware and and monitor that, especially if you have a team that's spread out in multiple offices, multiple states, you can't be there side by side with them all the time. So you need to read the room and keep them all engaged. So, um, you know, ultimately, again, wrapping it up, shared vision, I think it's a combination of responsibly being independent and effectively being interdependent. And that's self-control that's self-awareness that is gaining influence and building bridges building your community yep. um, and and communicating effectively within that community and i think if you are in tune with that stuff the vision the shared vision presents itself and it's okay to reassess that at times if it's not getting done what you want as a team um, it's easy to just stay the course. Oh, this is our vision. This is our vision. It's not working. This is our vision. This is our vision. Well, maybe it's not reason. It's not working because that vision is right here and it needs to be right here. And now everybody's on the same page when it's five degrees this way. It's better being in tune with that and asking the right questions. Um, 
because I think in my experience, when there is a common feeling of involvement and shared ownership and respect, and everybody's on the same page with that vision and that mission, then you can have autonomy within it as team members so they can do things the way they are effectively doing them within the framework as long as it's meeting the objectives and goals of that vision versus being cookie cutter and everybody's got to be doing it identically. Everybody's got to be, you know, robotic in, in nature. Um, when it comes to healthcare, everybody has different personalities and everybody has different sure. passions and whatnot. And you have to embrace that. Um, you have to embrace the more established, mature, more effective, um, you know, long-term generations. And then with the up and coming, really effective new energy, younger generation, getting them to work together, listening to both sides of the spectrum, getting them to collaborate on things, um, you know, listening to new ideas. It, it all comes down to, to those things when it comes to building, creating awesome teams. It's not easy, but it absolutely is, absolutely is doable. And it's, in my opinion, it's easier than you think it would be if you're building good relationships and you're being good teammates, you're listening to one another. And you're involving each other in in what you can when it comes to collaboration um, and process improvement, et cetera. Yeah, I, I really like the responsibly independent and effectively interdependent. I, it's the first time I had heard that. I really enjoy that. So thank you for sharing there. Uh, just one more thing that I just wanted to highlight because it, it feels like it's come up in my mind several times as you've been talking about this is, you know, really as a leader and focusing on teams is understanding the people within your team. I, I want, I'm hesitant to say, I think it was Carol Dweck that's highlighted this. If not, I've heard it from somewhere else. It's not necessarily the mindset, but there's the concept of like, you have like superstar employees or you know people and then rockstar and rockstar more in the frame of like they're just solid they do their thing they and they're happy doing that and you know you've got to under identify who those people are and then work to their strengths not everybody wants to continue to grow and bloom and you know take the next step or bring a million ideas some people are very content coming in doing a really good job Mm -hmm. staying within their role and doing that and just understanding those who those people are within your team and how to maximize that you know and some people may not want a lot of mm -hmm. new initiatives but they can excel in what they're doing and you can kind of build things around that versus the other person that wants you to give them something that's challenging and go forward and just being able to even within a bigger team if you're not you know the quote-unquote leader or whoever that is just understanding that can it helped me with a lot of frustrations I had when I just looked at it in a different way of really good employees but someone I could give in a, a thing and I would have it back sooner than I wanted it they, they just were so quick to doing it somebody else not really their vibe they would did a great job and I had no issue with that but we just found a different way to maximize what they brought to the team and that for me personally made life I got less frustrated because I was now working within the confines of what people wanted and to accomplish and that made life a lot easier for me that's a great point I think that it really directly speaks to the fact that as a leader you have to be able to adapt your leadership style to the different team members because it's okay to be a silent leader it's okay to just 
be really good at a operational role and do that effectively, you are still a leader because you're leading by example. You're you're being effective, accountable. Um, you're get, being effective in your job. You are doing something that other people don't have to worry about because you're owning it. You're a leader, even though you don't lead other people from you know, verbally or have supervisory role over sponsoring them. It's okay to be that kind of leader. And I think that's what I, that's one of the things I mean by that responsible independence. And then the leader also being able to recognize those members of their team who are aspiring for more, who want to climb. You have to have a a clinical ladder. Um, You have to have a vision for growth internally so they don't have to look outside for it. Um, You know, and if we meet these criteria, there's going to be an opportunity for you to climb um, up in, in responsibility. And ultimately, a good leader should be trying to coach up their entire team to take their job, you know, because that's invaluable. If you can help others grow and be really, really good to the point where um, you don't have to lead them, they're able to autonomously make those decisions. That that really just at the end, end, end game there, that makes you invaluable because you help them get to that point. And you see them thriving, and that's going to open up more opportunities for you to grow as a leader as well, too. Um, It's about being the bus driver. It's not about trying to sit in every seat and do everybody's job in their seat. It's about being the bus driver. It's about being the conductor and having all the different instruments of the band play their own notes, their own rhythm, so that the song sounds beautiful. And so we have to keep that in mind that it's everybody has a different role they play. We have to coach them and lead them in their own way within the framework of the bigger picture and ultimately find a way to engage them so that they tell us how they want to be led or they show us how they want to be led and we support them with that. Like it. I like it a lot. Uh, We covered a lot. Anything else that you wanted to cover as we kind of wrap up um, just kind of highlighting what you're doing now and some of these really important principles um, in creating awesome teams. I I just, I want to be a resource, uh, not only for athletic trainers, for healthcare teams as a whole. And, um, you know, if I can ever be a help to anyone that's that's listening, I'm easy to find across social media. You can find me on LinkedIn, you know, at uh, Ryan, at R Stevens ATC. Um, Everywhere else is Catalyzing ATS across Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. CatalyzingATS.com is the website. Just, I, I want to be a resource, even if it's just a matter of setting up a call to listen to your challenges, um, if nothing else, just being heard, that might help you solve your own problems. And that's all we have to do, just a, a quick call. Um, but I want to be a resource. I want to help. And it, it does feel really good to be a part of a team environment like that. And sure. it's also very frustrating when staffing issues make delivery of patient care very difficult. And so if we can find a way to, to solve those challenges of staffing issues and team dynamics, the patient care is going to go to another level and the retention is going to go up. It's going to be easier to recruit. You're going to have raving fans internally, which draw people in to want to work with you and raving fans externally, which out in the public tell people about what you do as an athletic trainer, as a provider. And it makes more people want to work with you or that that respect is elevated, that influence is elevated. Uh, so that's that's ultimately the the end goal 
is is being helpful like that. And I'm happy to be a resource for anyone, both inside and outside of, of athletic training. And I appreciate the time chatting about this conversation today, Joel. I think it's it's really important to to think about these things. And uh, it's a constant evolution of discovery. You can't just go out and read a book and be good at this stuff. You know, it's a matter of sure. reflecting on it and adapting it and, and being a really good listener and being very self-aware. And, uh, and that's what's exciting about it with me is that every team I work with is going to be different. It's it's going to be switching it up a lot. And that, that excites me because I get to help them solve their problems and, and help their people be successful. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. As always, great to connect again. Uh, hopefully sometime again in person in the nearest future. But Absolutely. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out on what you're doing. And we'll, I, I know we'll do a follow-up at some point in the future. So we'll just save that for next time. Love it, Joel. I really, really appreciate it. It's great to see you again, buddy. And um, you know, look forward to, to chatting more soon. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Athletic Training Chat featuring Ryan Stevens of Catalyzing Coaching and consulting uh we truly appreciate it again just by listening to this uh, you help us generate a little bit of ad revenue through spotify uh, which is going in to help support get these recovery tubs out to uh, people that need them so we can make sure that every athlete is safe they heat again we truly appreciate that uh, we thank Mueller for all their support for creating this recovery tub and making an option that we can get out to people uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your story. Please let us know if you'd be interested in being on the podcast. We want to talk to you and hear what you have going on and the story that brought you to where you are. Uh, so thank you again, and we will catch you at the next episode.